Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I'm your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in to SST on Apple Podcasts app, Spotify, and on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on the podcast app as well. Subscribe to the notification bell on YouTube so you know when we drop new videos, as well as leave a comment on the YouTube. It helps out. Get this stuff. Right, more eyes, more ear holes, the whole nine. So appreciate y'all for listening. As always, joining me today, talk just a little bit about the Knicks and their unfortunate loss to the Hornets. We'll talk about it on what it actually is. But joining me to talk about that, as well as this big quarterback day in the NFL with Daniel Jones getting the contract, Lamar Jackson getting non-exclusive franchise tagged, and still waiting, no word, from A.A. Ron, Aaron Rodgers, here, as he is often, my guy. Pat Boyle, what's up, brother? Yo, what's up, Petey? How we doing, brother? Big day. Uh, we'll, we'll get to the Knicks in a bit. Sour taste in, in my mouth after such an exhilarating three weeks of hoops, but... Look, we're in a good spot, Giants are in a good spot, and the Jets hopefully are in a great spot uh, by the end of next week. And the discussion on the Giants' spot, if it's good, bad, or indifferent, is to be discussed, and you kind of have been on a side, if anyone listens to Pat on uh, any of the radio networks he's on frequently, fan, CBS Sports, or on this very podcast, you know where he's been lying, more or less, on DJ, and you could probably agree with that. However, there is the other side of the argument. Uh, Mark Shanlugan is not here to make the complete opposite end of the spectrum, the farthest end of the spectrum argument against Daniel Jones, but someone might have to Cody O'Connor also joining us today as he has throughout the football season and talking hoops as well. Are you, you're not going to be on the other side of the spectrum completely, but I don't know where you will lie. It's not coming from me, Pete. It's a good day to be a giants fan, man. We got DJ to what I think is a reasonable deal. We'll move on with that later on. Saquon looks like he's coming back too. They got him franchise tag. So I think it's similar to the Lamar situation where someone else can offer him a deal and the Giants get the chance to match. But you got those two, man. It was a good day. Joe Shane, you did your thing, man. Let's get it going. There we go. So there you go. Tipped your your take a little bit as well. I'll save my thoughts for a little bit later. That's a tease for you guys. But before we dive in, you know I got to tell you about all that action over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Because especially this summer, there's just tons and tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports. And you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000. If it doesn't win, you get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, NBA, of course, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options are endless. I'm looking right now, thinking about the NBA, and I see the NBA MVP odds, and you guys know, at least I think you know, that I'm a Nikola Jokic fan. Maybe you would say Stan. But I think the odds are off right now. I think there's a possible way to cash in big. Giannis Antetokounmpo is plus 700 here. Nikola Jokic is minus 250. Why are you putting that money down there? Joel Embiid is plus 450. But Giannis, the team that hasn't lost in over 12 games, they're on a heater. It's because of him. He's a beast. They may end up as the one seed. And Giannis Antetokounmpo might also be the best defender in the league. How are you not going with him? Plus 700. Why not try it out 
with the NBA futures on DraftKings Sportsbook. And best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Because we do have to talk about the the New York Knicks, who, you know, before the game started tonight, we're thinking about planning this show out, and we're saying, all right, obviously the big news is Daniel Jones and Lamar and Rodgers and whatever, but, like, we have to talk about the Knicks. Like, the three of us specifically haven't spoken about the Knicks on the podcast. I've done a few episodes about them recently, but we haven't done it. So we're, like, kind of excited, right? There's a little bit of a, a gleam in our eyes, a little little something shining on us about talking about our Knicks who are so hot. You know, one of the best teams, and this is not hyper, uh, hyperbole. There we go. That was like a third time's a charm. It's not hyperbole. It's not exaggeration. The Knicks have been one of the best five teams in the NBA for like two plus months. That's not a joke. That's not like a Knicks fans are overreacting type situation. They're getting excited about nothing. No, this team has been very good for an extended period of time. And that's why we were so excited. And boy, do we get that just kind of stripped right out from under us on this stupid Tuesday night game against the Charlotte Hornets in which they were 10-point favorites, had one of the best second quarters you can imagine, and then just let it slide. So, Pep, I don't know where you want to go. Like, do you want to even start this conversation off with the Hornets' loss? Or do you want to try to gloss over that? Because in this very moment, as a Knicks fan, you feel a little bit weird. Oh, I'm definitely want to start with the Hornets loss. I, that was pathetic. That was, you know, again, nine game winning streak, which I will talk about in a minute because you can't ignore that. But this loss on Tuesday night was one of the worst. It was the worst half of basketball I've seen from the Knicks all year. Maybe that's a little recency bias. I mean, I know early on in the year they had some bad losses. They played some bad third quarters, which like kind of reminded me of the team from last year and two years ago, where it felt like that was becoming a Tibbs identity. It was like, all right come out of the halftime break, not knowing what the fuck is going on and just get outscored 15 to four in the first six minutes um, or in the first four minutes. Um, so they have that 45 point second quarter. Everybody's hitting shots. Grimes is hitting shots quickly. Had didn't score in the first quarter. He gets hot. He drops nine in the span of like four minutes. Randall wasn't really doing a whole lot, but he was efficient. I believe it was like four of seven in the first half. And Mitch is, you know, being Mitch, you know, it's a huge reason why this team is was on that nine game winning streak was because of Robinson's defense. I mean, he is one of the best rim protectors in basketball. And they were just they were playing like a team that was motivated, that was energetic, that was saying, yeah, you're a 20 win team. We're going to kick the shit out of you. Close out on the perimeter. And then they came out of the break and. They let Terry Rozier shoot himself into the game. They let Gordon Hayward get hot. Gordon Hayward, by the way, who shouldn't be getting hot against almost anybody anymore. No disrespect. He's, he's not that guy anymore. And Kelly Oubre, who has been playing well since he came back from the injury, and especially since starting and, you know, elevating his role once LaMelo went down. So I was like, all right, you know, I, 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 I saw it coming, Charlie getting back in this game, and they got it down to like six. Tibbs called a timeout, and I was like, all right, this is where you need to turn it around now. You need to get quickly getting this offense in sync, you know, being the Brunson while Brunson's not here and doing it in his own quickly-esque way. And Randall's got to take this game over. And it just never happened. Randall, I think, went on a stretch where he missed five straight shots, turned it over. We saw the worst of Julius Randall in that second half, which 
as great as he is, as great as he's been, and I'm going to be on the front line, my, my Julius Randle flag in the ground, he still has these stretches where, you know, when I look at him versus Brunson, Brunson, I don't think he can, but more, you know, you're going to see Randle get to levels that Brunson can't. And we saw it with the 46 against Washington, the 43 again last week. But you know what, Brunson, you're going to get really good. And at the worst, it's going to be average. With Randall, you can get all NBA or you can get shit basketball for a six, seven minute stretch. That's what happened that third quarter. Tibbs took him out. They never recovered. And they scored 16 points in the fourth quarter against a Hornets team that can't defend me. I could go out there and drop 10 against, against Charlotte. Probably not, but I feel like I could <laughs> with the way they defend so poorly. So, uh, I mean, they, they couldn't buy a three. They were passing up good looks. Uh, Randall couldn't take the game over, shot five of 17. And RJ scores, what, 17 in the first quarter? And then goes back to being the RJ Barrett that I want to be traded in this summer. So just a really, really bad loss. Um, if you guys want to hit on it, and then I can go back to the nine-game winning streak. How do you want to play this, Pete? Yeah, that's fine. Let's stick here for a second. I think that's... That's completely fair because there is kind of some things to talk about. And, you know, you don't want to go too hard on underlying issues after the streak has been so positive. And I just mentioned how they have legitimately been a top five team in the NBA for an extended period of time. That being said, like some of the stuff that we're talking about with the Knicks and as they get more national conversation is how far can they go? How real of a contender are they? Are they just a really nice story and good? Like, no, don't get me wrong. Good four or five seed team? Like, is that what they are? Or do they have a chance to play how they've been playing for two months and compete with the Sixers, the Celtics, and the Bucks in a playoff series, right? Like, those are two parts of a conversation that are both that have both exist separately, basically, right? And some of the stuff that we saw against Charlotte is some of the stuff that hinders this team from truly being a top three team in the East and a true contender for the championship. And with the R.J. Barrett front, it felt like today or yesterday when you're listening to this against the Hornets, he was the most motivated guy, right, in that game. But that's not always a positive thing for R.J. Barrett. Like, I knew when Brunston went out in the game prior and that quickly and Barrett were going to get theirs. Barrett kind of probably lives for those opportunities now because he's not getting as many shots as he thinks he should get per- personally as well as as just as many shots as he wants, right? Like, every t- every player who has averaged 20 points in a season now wants to always get that much uh, that much opportunity. He doesn't now. And now Brunson's out, he's got his shine. And boy, does he go for it. Like, you got to respect it at the same token of being frustrated by it. And he is now looked at as the weak link on this team, right? He is not a good enough number three to make this a big three. Big threes don't exist much in the, in the league anymore. It's more of a duo-type league with a really good 3-4-5 type situation or maybe your bench is your strength, whatever it is. But Barrett is the person who can make a duo that's underwhelming from a contender standpoint, a trio that is uh, worthy of that conversation. And he's probably the reason that they're being held back at this point. And it's really weird and really hard for me to kind of realize where I land on him because of how much I respect his mentality, but how much I get frustrated by his play sometimes. So just to stick on Barrett for a second, that's kind of where my overall take went towards with frustration for this game quickly, man, he just played 50 freaking minutes, 50 plus 55 minutes. He was bound to have kind of an off night. The whole Knicks team is down to uh, bound to have an off night on this kind of streak. You're on a little bit. You get a letdown spot in the second half after having the blow away second quarter. It is what it is, but the Barrett thing isn't unique to this game. It's not unique to this loss. 
it's not even unique to wins. Sometimes wins, he can still do this type of stuff. So, Cody, I don't know if you have thoughts about that specifically or want to move on, but that's kind of my only real takeaway from a game like last night. Yeah, well, it's I, I don't put too much stock into this one game against Charlotte because what you just said at the end, which is what we talked about pre-show, they're on a nine-game winning streak. They just played Boston back-to-back nights or two out of the last couple games. Um, big spots, and this was just a letdown. No Brunson. You would get out to the lead at half, and the second half, you know, you'd rather get it out of the way now. The thing that I really like that you said, Pete, about their needing of a big three is that while Brunson and and Randall are fantastic, have been awesome, they are not at the level that the rest of the East is. When you're talking about the Bucks and the Celtics and Philly and even Cleveland, who I think is kind of starting to get bypassed a little bit in conversation, but they're a really good team with Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland, some guys that can close out games. I think you need Randall to pl- – uh, RJ to play at that more consistent level and that's the thing with him he just he can have a game or a half where he looks like RJ Barrett the guy who was ready to break into stardom or he just kind of becomes that guy that is not even your third option right now because quickly might be or or Grimes might be and and you probably need RJ to be that steadying force as a 15 to 20 point guy nightly efficiently and it's not an easy thing to do to take a step back while Brunson's taking a step forward especially as a young guy but if you're talking about making a real deep run in the playoffs which at this point as a Knicks fan that's what you're hoping for after what you've just seen especially since getting Josh Hart that's what it's going to take and it's really not you know it's just I don't know that I trust that Barrett's going to be able to do that so that's that's where they lay you know can they get past that hump I don't know I think they have, if they match up with Cleveland, awesome series. It's going to be really tough, dude, to beat that team. I think that's a six, seven game series. Um, and it's going to take, you know, the the awesomeness of those two with a third guy every night, whether it's quickly or Barrett, maybe they can alter that guy, but it needs to come from somewhere. But I, I think tonight also shows just the importance of Jalen Brunson, just that stadium force late in a game just to kind of calm things down when things aren't going your way. Can we go get a bucket? Jalen Brunson is the guy over Julius Randle that I want with the ball. I think he should have been the all-star of this team. Um, But I I don't put too much stock into it. I feel like a huge letdown spot. And it just happened. It's a nine-game winning streak. You saw awesome basketball leading up to tonight. Tonight, I don't think, is what you're going to see going forward. I think it was just a blip in the radar. And while I agree with that, Cody – I don't want to let him off the hook for it because I'm glad that you mentioned, you know, no Brunson. Like that tells us two things. One, obviously the Knicks are not going to win. uh, They're not going to win a single series, let alone they're not going to get it to six or seven against Cleveland or Philly. If Brunson and Randall aren't healthy on the floor playing 38, 40 minutes in those games, they're just not that good of a team without the two of them. And even without Brunson, you know, again, Milwaukee played the Magic, who have been feisty as of late. I know you guys, avid NBA lovers that you are, you know the Orlando Magic have been feisty. I think they are basically – they've been playing 500 balls since they started 5-20. and 20. So since then, they're 22-19. and 19. They're actually above 500 since they got off to a 5-20 and 20 start. They're feisty squad. Milwaukee's playing them on the road. No Giannis, no Drew Holiday. And what happens? They crack their ass. They win by 11. And they was never really, never really close. Um, they led by double digits most of that game. Another example, Sixers on the road. 
playing against Minnesota. As much as we love to make fun of Minnesota, they're a game above 500. They were two games above 500. They're a scrappy team. We know how much talent they have. Um, actually, they're not scrappy because they're pretty soft, but we know how talented they are. Yeah. And no James Harden, who's been dropping like 17 assists a game. And what happens? Philly destroys them. So this was a spot where the Knicks, okay, you're down Brunson, but you're playing a 20-win Hornets team that lost LaMelo Ball a week ago and can't defend for their lives. You have to find a way. In that moment when Charlotte got it to a two-point game after the third quarter, that's where you got to say, all right, I know we're struggling. We can't win every game, but we've got to beat them for 12 minutes right now. And they couldn't do it, and they totally collapsed. So it's just it was it was annoying to watch that because you see these great teams, the Bucks, the Sixers, teams that the Knicks want to be and will play if they get to the second round. And you're missing Brunson, you have to win that game, even though you're shorthanded. That being said, yes, Pete, the nine-game winning streak reaffirmed in me. Go ahead. Wait, hold on a second, because I, I know you're going to go off to the positives, and I want to go on one more thing, one more question about the Hornets game before you get to that, if that's all right. So basically, you brought me – like I was going to try to jump in before you jumped in there, and then you actually segued even further into my question slash point here about this game against the Hornets. I almost would have liked in this game in particular, and it's kind of hard, but I would have kind of liked a little bit more bench in this game. And the reason I say that is because you just play this absolutely grueling, intense game against the best team in the Eastern Conference, or now the second best team in the Eastern Conference in the Boston Celtics, and quickly played 50-plus. Randall played a boatload. Hart, RJ, like they all played a boatload of minutes. I thought McBride looked pretty good off the bench. I thought I thought Toppin needed a little more burn to start doing some more things. He's been doing some nice stuff in limited time. You're up a little bit, even if it goes back down to a, a more even type game. Like this is the type of game where you almost have to look at your starters and your guys and say, they're not not trying. They are trying, but they don't exactly have that oomph right now in their step, in their jump shot, in everything. And you saw it from the shooting numbers. Like, Barrett one for seven from three Randall two for nine quickly three for 10 Grimes two for seven, not good numbers, not good looks from these guys that can make more of these shots. A lot of these shots they took tonight, they could have made and, and McBride hits a couple shots top and hits a big shot. Like I would have liked a little bit more infiltration of energy in that game. And it's really hard to say because it's, it's so obvious to just leave in your guys when the game gets tight again. However, this might've been one of those cases where, you know, our other guys aren't getting that much love and they're playing kind of good. Let's give them some love. But again, I do know how hard that is to do when the game gets tight again. You want your guys out there. And that's, that's honestly, that's an excellent point you make, man. I mean, would it have killed Tibbs to, to put Jericho Sims in for six, seven minutes? Could, could maybe, could we have seen a little Evan Fournier, right? Maybe a couple yeah, catch and shoot threes. Maybe see if you can get them going. Because again, you said it, RJ can't shoot. Randall couldn't shoot to save his life and quickly got hot for a spurt in that second quarter and a little bit in the third, but that was about it. So, um, yeah, but that's Tibbs. That, I mean, yeah. that's Tibbs and we know that's, that's Tibbs. Tibbs, but he's, he's done. I guess he's done it in games where like from the get go, he's done it right. Like the last time Fournier played, like he was clearly in the rotation from, from the get go, which is different than saying, all right, guy who hasn't played in two weeks, like you're going in. Right. But I do think that that type of chaotic energy that a bench can bring you and a good bench. Let's be honest, right? Like this bench unit from top to bottom has done some really nice things this year. That's the type of spark you need, right? Like these shots aren't falling. Let's let quick uh, McBride cook a little bit. Let's get topping in there to run the floor, get some more transition opportunities. You have to just mix it up. And it's almost like 
in a game against the Hornets, you have a luxury to do something like that rather than in the game against the Celtics. You're not thinking about taking out quickly or Randall or Barrett. Like they're all playing so well. You're never going to do that because it's a great team, but against a bad team, you don't really lose that much advantage going to your bench, even for one or two guys, just a thought. And again, I understand how hard it is to do something like that. It's more of a, of a armchair expert type of situation for me, but, but Pat, we do have to get to the positives with the Knicks because it's just, it would be a malpractice on us to not at least go on some of those positives. So what do you think about the streak and the general success over the past two months? Yeah, I just, I mean, again, sour taste in my mouth, but yeah, like you said, it would be malpractice not to talk about the nine game winning streak, which included wins um, against Utah, which was, you know, I think that was a back-to-back after they lost a tough game to Philly the night before then they crush the Nets for the first time. They go out and they beat the Hawks going into the break, which we know, you know, two years ago. And even though Atlanta's not that great this year, they still give them trouble. And then coming out of the break and just rolling off wins, Washington, where Randall goes bananas for 46, beating a, a, a hurt Pelicans team, which I know that that is hurting Cody to his core to have to hear that. They get the first win over Boston. They light Brooklyn up at the Garden. I was at that game. They get the last second win against Miami, and then they outlast Boston again. Those nine wins, it was – they each had their own unique feel to it, and you got – you could see the team growing in confidence every single game they were doing it. One night it could be Randall going for 40. Another night you had Brunson going for 40 like he did against the Nets. Brunson going for 39 like he did against the Nets again the second time. Quickly starting to step up and and we were hearing six man of the year, you know, flowers being thrown at his feet. Why not? He's averaged like 20 points a game over the last uh, seven or eight games here. And, you know, like he's, even, though, even though Barrett, you know, again, as, as much as we criticize him, for not having a scoring role, his defense has still been pretty good. Mitchell coming back, I think, was the biggest jolt. And, of course, the Jeez. trade for Josh Hart. As much as I've crushed Leon Rose in the past, I mean, that's one of the best trades of the year so far. A guy like Josh Hart that is one of the best undersized rebounders in the entire league can lock down the opposing team's best score. What he did to Jason Tatum, he made him tap out in that that game where he gets himself ejected with four minutes left when they beat them on the February 27th. So, I mean, just playing as a collective unit, seeing the chemistry between the first unit and the second, and then mixing those guys in together at times, Randall being able to take over Brunson being able to take over and really just win by win. You're like, okay, yeah, maybe the Knicks are going to avoid the play-in. Okay. Maybe the Knicks might get the five. Okay. Could the Knicks push for the four here? And I don't think that's, I don't think that's getting carried away. I mean, you're seeing the talent. You're seeing a duo, Brunson and Randall, that can combine for 75 points on almost any given night. It's not flukes anymore. This team has what it takes. And, yes, terrible loss against the Hornets. I'm still all in that the Knicks can get a five, the five, or the four, and I think they can beat <clears throat> the Cleveland Cavaliers in the first round, and then you let the chips fall where they are in the second round if, if that's where this team makes it. Yeah, and uh, just to add on that real quick, with the Cavs situation, I've been very hesitant to say that the Knicks should beat them. It's it's very much a could beat them to me. Like, looking at the Cavs' top four, it's better than the Knicks' top four. It is. There's not really a question mark about it, but the depth for the Knicks is really their strength in that matchup in particular. So all these conversations are worthy conversations. The, the mistake that some Knicks fans make is saying that, 
oh, now they are going to be the four seed. Now they're the favorite to be the four seed. They would be favorite in a matchup against Cleveland, and that's just not the case because you look at the stretch right now and you think about what they've done for the entirety of the season, they are a much better road team than a home team. They just lost this game at home to Charlotte, right? They're 19 and 16 if this is updated, I think it is. 19 and 16 at home, 20 and 12 on the road. They've been the best, one of the best road teams in the NBA, which is incredible. They're going on a real road trip right now, guys. They're going west, and they're playing Sacramento, who can put up buckets on everybody. They've been doing it like crazy. They can't defend much, but they can put up buckets, and they can win games. The Clippers, a bit of a mixed bag, but a very talented team who can beat everyone. The Lakers have been playing a lot better, even without LeBron. And Portland, we know what Dame Lillard's been up to. He's going absolutely bonkers. That's four games in a row at in the West Coast, and then you get Denver, Minnesota, Miami back on the East Coast. That's a tough stretch, right? And for all the flowers the Knicks are getting, and all those flowers are deserved, there is a universe almost as likely as the one where they become a four seed and are favorites against the Cavs that they do lose three out of four games here and all this love they got, then the rest of the country and the, all the people who like to poke fun at the Knicks fans when they get the chance say, ah, look at you Knicks fans, so cute. You guys are so cute. You thought you were going to be a four seed and win the first round and, and push for a conference finals appearance. Y'all are in seventh now, right? Like that is not impossible. They have a three and a half game lead on the Heat. They play them a couple more times this season. It's okay to say they could beat the Cavs and they could get a four seed and they should be in that conversation. But it's important to remember that this is not built on the most solid foundation of all time, right? Like there's still a reason why they are not looked at as a championship team. And that's, that's true. So you have to at least remember that a little bit moving forward with this next season, Cody. I don't know. Pat said Pelicans, and I saw red, and I haven't heard anything you guys have said ever since. <laughs> I can hate that team so much now. Oh, the 2023 Pelicans are, like, literally the worst team in, in basketball. The 2022 Pelicans, they were awesome. I wish I could have cashed out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's unbelievable. But, uh, no, I mean, it, I think it's going it, to – it's just – if you go into a season with Cleveland, do you think that they're favored? And if you do, why? Like I, I, it maybe if they're the home court team and they're the four seed and Cleveland's the five, but really that's at best an even matchup. Where I think Cleveland probably still has a slight edge in talent, at least in the front part of their lineup. Like you said, Pete, their front four. I mean, those are four guys. And Evan Mobley, I still think he's got this whole level that he can reach that he hasn't tapped into yet. That I think is what would take what it would take for Cleveland to make a real push. And it's I feel like it seems like I'm. I'm not like a Knicks believer. That's not the case. It's just I've seen Cleveland play a lot of basketball, and they're a really damn good team. And I've seen Donovan Mitchell go absolutely nuclear in playoff games. While we've seen Jalen Brunson do that, the still the last thing we saw from Julius Randle in the playoffs was not so great. So he still kind of has to answer for that. I think J- Jalen Brunson being there and some of the new talent around absolutely makes that much, much easier on him. But – Look, they have played really, really, really damn good basketball. They play they play their asses off for one. And I think anyone from the New York metropolitan area who roots for this team, that's the one thing you get to hang your hat on. Is you're like, dude, they freaking compete. They play damn hard on every possession. They fight through screens, man. They just make the right basketball play. They're really unselfish. Like That's an awesome team that you guys get to watch and root for and say, this is my team this year. 
And that's cool as hell, man. So they're going to compete. No team should take them lightly. I don't think any team necessarily wants to see the Knicks, especially the way they're playing right now. But to go in and say they should beat Cleveland, I think is a stretch. And I don't think that's a crazy thing for me to say. I'm with you. I'm with you, Cody. Look at me and Cody just being reasonable as always. Pat, not that you're not reasonable. You usually are too. But Cody and I just, we we, we ride this lane of, of rationality that is probably so exciting for people to listen to. <laughs> I was going to say how boring that must be. But it's just the way I see it. And I, and I know you do too. I just yeah. kind of, you have to toe that line sometimes. But you it's can, what's funny about Knicks fans, though, right? It's like you open yourself up to just get absolutely dumped on if and when things go wrong. It's a little bit of a devil's advocate thing, too. And, you know, when you do podcasts every week and you're or you're talking sports, and I'm saying, like, not even me, but, like, people who do this even more so than me, like, you have to do some devil's advocacy just to keep it interesting sometimes. And I don't do it just to keep it interesting. I mean, sometimes I do. I usually say if I'm doing it for that reason. But I said it the other day with Alec. I was like, well, I'm going to play a devil's advocate for a second here. And he goes, oh, you? Okay, yeah, right. You've never done that before. <laughs> like, you know, you have to you have to realize these things. And, like, my whole, my whole approach here is to try to help a Knicks fan be more rational about their own team. And, and it helps you from getting even more hurt. And maybe some fans deep down, they just want to be hurt, right? Like, you either want to win it all or you want to feel, feel crushed. Like, that's how some fans are just used to living. <laughs> so it, it's normal for them. But it is, it is what it is. I, I try to be rational as much as possible. This is me right here, Pete. Here's my heart right on my sleeve. That's, how I, that's, that's me that's as a it. Knicks fan. I'm ready to get hurt, man. But I, I'm not saying this team's going to the Eastern Conference Finals, but I would be you are You're being rational, too. I'm, I'm going to be – no, I know. I'm gonna, but I'm going to be crushed if they get bounced in the first round again. Same. But, like, Paul Rosenberg asked me on the fan on, on uh, the overnight Sunday, and he was like – well, he was doing the whole bit of like, you know, what is uh, success for the Knicks in the playoffs, right? Like, are you saying that if they just make it and lose in the first round handedly, you're going to be okay with that? And I'm like, well, obviously no one's going to see them be okay with them getting, you know, swept or gentlemen swept against the Cavs in the first round. But if they go seven and play mm-hmm. really well for most of the series, maybe a couple tough losses, maybe a couple bad decisions late, like I'm not going to be – I'm going to be broken in a way of that. I'm, uh, I just went through a roller coaster ride, but I'm not going to be like, oh my God, this Knicks team underachieved by like so much. I can't believe what just happened. Like that's, that's the difference. Yeah. It, it's, it's, here's your segue. Cause it's kind of like a couple months later, how you can look back at the giants losing to the Eagles and be like, you know what? That was a damn good season that they right. just had. Like they worked their ass off. They were not the more talented team. If you go into a se- series with Cleveland, it's best. Minimum. It's very, very close in talent disparity, and it could go either way. That's all. Yeah, and it's hype that that people who don't always watch basketball or, you know, they watch the Knicks from afar or, you know, texting in the group chats about the Knicks, right? Like my friend group from home, they give me crap all the freaking time about being a big NBA fan and the NBA soft, and they send Instagram. And it's like to the point where I don't even send anything NBA related to this group chat, like ever, because I know I just get, I just get shitted on when I do. So they send stuff. And I'm like, yo, y'all are the one sending this. Like, who's the one getting a rise about this uh, NBA Instagram post? It ain't me. It's you guys, right? But some of the guys in the group chat are now texting me on the side. You know, outside of the, the couple normal Knicks fans, non-basketball guys are like, yo, Knicks game was sick last night. Like, I'm locked in. I'm watching every game. I'm watching every night. And that's that's awesome. Like, I'm, I, that makes me so happy when the more collective New Yorkers and, and New York fans are like, yeah, no, I'm watching this team. This team's been really fun. So we'll leave it on that. That's a good way to end it. And we'll move on to the Giants and Cody. What a professional. 
What a professional segue out of you. It's Pat Boyle over here, Cody O'Connor. I'm Pete Kennedy, Subway Sports Talk. Now talk some football. We said this was going to be a 38-minute podcast. We're pushing 30 minutes already. Not ideal from a timing standpoint, fellas, but that's what we do. We get on here, we get riled up, we got takes, and that's what we do. So let's have some more takes about Daniel Jones. Before we do that, I got to ask uh, Patrick Wojna Boyle over here with the Boyle bomb today. Pat Boyle dropping some sauces on the Twitter sphere. Patrick, are we expecting more breaks out of you here? What's going on? You had you had a little uh, a little hint on Twitter today. You were dropping some knowledge on us. What happened here? <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know if uh, how many more uh, breaks or scoops you're going to get at all. I mean, uh, you know, I will say this. I have basically one legitimate sports source and uh, I'm not trying to get it to go down to zero. So, but yeah, no, I just, um, you know, I, 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 you know, I got word that they were going to get a deal done before four o'clock. It just came down to, um, you know, how the numbers were going to shake out. And I trusted the information that, that I got and uh, put it out there on Twitter. I was like, Hey, giants and Jones are going to come to an agreement. They're going to have a contract before four o'clock. They're not, They've come too far. Jones wants to be with the Giants. They want him to be their quarterback. They're not seeking elsewhere. And it never really made sense for him to play under the tag this year. I mean, that, that you're taking your entire future and just risking it to chance. If, you know, if, if Jones would have gotten tagged and not taken the deal that the Giants got, which, again, was pretty comfortably in the middle ground from all the reports that we all read and heard of what he was asking for 45, 46, and the giants were offering 36, 37. You just, you knew that they were going to meet in the middle ground. So um, yeah, no, I, I, I get worried that there was going to be a deal done and that's why I, I, I didn't say, Oh, this is going to be four or five years. No, it's going to be, they're going to come to terms on the long-term contract extension that I think everybody thought was going to happen. And it did. And then once that happened, they were going to tag Saquon Barkley, which is exactly what they did. So, I mean, it was the most rational thing to happen. It worked out exactly as it should have. Kudos to Joe Shane. Kudos to Brian Dayball. Kudos to Danny Jones. And uh, kudos to Saquon Barkley because, you know, he kind of feels like the odd man left out in this. But uh, he's making $10 million on the franchise tag as a running back. I think that's a spot that a lot of running backs would want to be in, making $10 million a year in this age of the NFL, in this era. So, um, yeah, I think it's a win for everybody, Pete. And, uh, no, I don't know if you can be expecting too many more breaks from me. Well, that was, that was great. And your quote tweet, uh, Pat Boyle 44 for anyone who doesn't know already, but, uh, I'm, I'm just gonna, I want people to look it up for themselves. The quote tweet of the original Boyle bomb. You just gotta go. You gotta go read that one. It made me laugh out loud at my desk during the day, which was great. Uh, but no, Pat, you said it pretty well. And even in the world of, or my own world of thinking about this deal of what I wanted to happen, what I thought should happen and what I thought will happen. I always felt even, you know, through my teeth of saying they should not, ex uh, not, ex I always want to say non-exempt, but whatever, non-exclusive tag him. It's a, a wise move. You're not tying yourself up long-term. Let someone else go give him 44, $44 million and move on. If you have to, this team's not, you know, ready for this type of commitment to a quarterback. That's not there yet. That that's what I was saying aloud. That's how I felt. But I always knew deep down that that wasn't going to happen, that that wasn't the case. That's not how these things go. And I got to be honest, seeing all of the guaranteed money, the first year cap hit, the way it's broken down, it makes it feel a whole lot better for all the people out there who are like, no way you can't give this guy 40 million. Even some of those people, because some of those people are Mark Shen Lugan and just will never, you know, back down from a take. But some of those people, 
have to see the only 82 guaranteed over the first two years and the $19 million cap hit and the $35 million in incentive and say, wow, that makes this a lot more reasonable. And half of my argument about the Giants being unable to put some extra talent around him is invalid now. And if any rational person out there, even if they hated Daniel Jones or didn't think he deserved 40, you have to feel better about it now. So that's where I ended up. I said on Twitter, I said, after this deal that I kind of expected to happen, I'm not disappointed. I'm not overly excited, but it makes sense. And it all feels more manageable now. And we can talk about what are the next steps, but Cody, where do you land? You kind of tipped it before, but where do you land? Yeah, I, I think it's really important what you guys brought up. It's it's the language of the contract, right? You you see forty million, and that's when people want to freak out, and it's just like that. <laughs> it's really that like lazy narrative that we are as as a society today. We're like, oh, let me look at the headline and take all context out. But if you dive a little deeper, he's guaranteed half of that money that he's given. So essentially, in like two years, he's off the books. You take so much risk out, and I don't know how bad he would have to be this year for me to be like, this is horrible that we have another year of him. You know what I mean? After we just saw that. Um, and I, I feel like the common thread um, talking with different, you know, some of my different um, friends, giant fans, I got a giants group chat on Twitter. Here it is. My shout out to my boys over at the friendship factory, the goat uh, group chat. My guys have been listening. Yes, um, they'll plug in tomorrow. Um, but the common thread with, all our conversations is for Giants fans. We feel like Joe Shane, Brian Dayball, and this new regime have really earned our trust after what they did in just one year coming into calling it a bad situation this year would really not do service to what they actually came into with the cap hell they were in, with the cuts they had to make, with the lack of talent on the roster, with not being married to Daniel Jones, but knowing that that's going to be the guy going into the year, right? That's not their pick. Um, but that was the, th the common theme. We all felt like they've earned our trust, what they choose to do. I'm going to trust it. When you see 40 million, again, you're like, okay, you look a little closer. Like Joe Shane worked his magic. He did a really good job to kind of lower the risk for the Giants going forward to pay Daniel Jones, to bring back Saquon, but to especially give them flexibility just coming into this year to add pieces around to give Daniel Jones, some legit weapons to see, is he going to take another step forward? The way I see this contract being a, a, a total positive is, is this year going to be something he can build on? If it's a failure, this was the peak, right? Like this was the best he can do and he regresses. But I don't think that's coming. He had virtually nothing around him. He's on his fourth offensive coordinator and he had a great year and had some big spots that we've talked about before. So I'm happy as a Giants fan that they did that. I think the language of the contract is super important, which you guys pointed out. Um, and it brings back Saquon, who I think it's much more important than what he does just on the field. It's a homegrown guy. It's the face of your franchise now along with Daniel Jones. But I just think he's a, such a locker room guy, a culture guy, a guy that wants to win, wants to win in New York, wanted to be in New York, more importantly. And now we've got him back. We've got Jones back and the flexibility to add some guys moving forward. So I think it was a masterful job by Joe Shane. Yeah, and, you know, again, you, you look at what Daniel Jones is, right? Look at what he is, and sure, I'm sure the Mark Shenlugians of the world will say, 
look at what he was, and that was a terrible, a mediocre quarterback for 2020 and 2021. Absolutely. But he's not anymore. He's not anymore. He has evolved. He has cut down on the turnovers year in and year out. He was the least intercepted quarterback in football this past year. He doesn't fumble nearly as much anymore. He lost 11 fumbles in 2019, six in 2020, three now each of the last two years. And, more. and he's running more. And he's running more. He's one of the best running quarterbacks in football. That's undeniable. His 40 times. Legitimate time, dual threat. Yep. Legitimate dual threat. He, run, he, he will bowl over linebackers. We've seen him take on some of the best tacklers in football this year and able to get a yard or two after contact. And, <clears throat> excuse me. The decision-making, throwing the football, getting it out quick, not holding on to it in the pocket, there's still flashes of it. And again, he's he's on the verge of being a top-10 quarterback in football, in my opinion. Not there yet, but the decision-making has improved tenfold. And again, Cody, you mentioned it. The fact that he basically was left for dead because of the past Giants regime, the fact that he was they declined the fifth-year option and said, okay, yes, you know, we're probably going to win four or five games this year. And that's what I thought. That's what all, all of us thought. We Everybody thought. thought that he proved everybody wrong, got them to the playoffs. And again, did all of that this year with receivers like Isaiah Hodgins, who I, you know, again was a practice squad wide receiver until week three or week four of this year. And uh, you know, basically his all top weapons, either getting hurt and Wondell Robinson, a young rookie, Tony getting traded, Basically having, you know, Bellinger being the best pass catching tight end on the team, which isn't a whole lot to say. And uh, and Saquon Barkley being his best other weapon. So, yeah, Daniel Jones is worth $40 million per year when you shake it out over the course of a contract. But everybody sees that and says, how can you pay Daniel Jones $40 million a year? How could you do this? I mean, again, look at where we are. It's not 2016. Like everybody says, Mahomes making four. Yeah, Mahomes is going to get his contract rework next year, and Mahomes is probably going to be making fifty-five million dollars a year, and and then another year, Joe Burrow is going to get paid, and Justin Herbert's going to get paid fifty million dollars or very close to it. So Daniel Jones will then go from what is he, the eighth highest quarterback AAV now? He'll go down to like twelve or thirteen, which is right back into the middle of the pack. So right it's a very it's a very fair contract. I think it is a great contract. The fact that they're only getting 19 million cap hit this first year, which I think gives the Giants as of now about $24 million to play with for free agency. Um, and they haven't made any other moves yet. Yes, they have some flexibility. Saquon's now playing under the cap. Uh, this team is set up to replicate, if not do a game or two better, what they did last year, be a 10-win team. I think the expectations is this team now to win 10 games. I think they can do it. I think Jones is capable of doing that as a quarterback. And if you improve the weapons around him, he's only going to get better, right? He's only going to get better. So. Yeah. And it's all great points really, because it's half the battle of those people who hated the idea of this deal. Half their argument is gone. Like half their argument is irrelevant. Right. And the whole idea that one of the things that bothered me was, Oh, well, Kirk cousins makes that much money. Dak Prescott makes that much money. Like how different is he than them? Exactly. That like, that was my point earlier. Like exactly. Everyone makes fun of the Vikings for paying him that much. Everyone makes fun of the Cowboys for having no more flexibility with their cap and, and all that stuff. But the way this deal set up, it's not that case. It's not the case, especially right now in year one. Like it's not the case. So two wrongs don't make a right by comparing Kirk Cousins contract to Daniel Jones or what he should have gotten. But in this case, because it is slightly different and he's on a trajectory up where we know exactly what Kirk Cousins is. 
there is a lot of room for optimism. There's a lot of room for optimism, which is going to lead us into the Lamar Jackson conversation. Cause another thing is you compare Lamar Jackson and Daniel Jones, and it's impossible to say that Daniel Jones is better than Lamar Jackson. Like it's impossible. I don't care what anyone says. Even if you want to try to argue that Daniel Jones had a better season last year. Sure. He was healthier for longer. Lamar Jackson's freaking awesome. He's better. And he didn't even get close, like clearly to what he wanted. So he got non-exempt, non-exempted. I said it again. Like it's a very mishmash type of atmosphere with quarterback contracts, but all the stuff you said about Burrow Mahomes Herbert is a great point as well, Pat. And the fact that he goes back down in AAV over time is another feather in the cap of the front office and Dable. There you go. So I guess I'm talking myself into being even more pro the argument than I thought I was going to be. And half of that is because I get mad at dumb arguments. That's why I am the way I am. And these, Mark and Lugans of the world. Poor Mark, man. He's never here. He's ca- well, he, he should be here so we could direct all of this anger at him because, I know, he's here. because I know there's millions of people around the country and there's like hundreds him. of thousands of people that think just like that. Yes. And I'll let Cody jump in and give his take in a second. But I mean, yeah, you, you, you know, you mentioned it with, uh, with Jones's contract and that's the, uh, that was the big Twitter hullabaloo that I saw today that I just had to roll my eyes left and right. Um, Lamar Jackson, an MVP. How many Daniel Jones MV, uh, how many MVPs does Daniel Jones have? How many playoff wins does Daniel Jones have? I mean, Lamar Jackson's only got one playoff win. But, you know, all the numbers and the record, Lamar Jackson's, what, 44 and 16 or something like that as a starting quarterback, and Daniel Jones is well under 500. Um, you know, again, that is a totally different situation in Baltimore. It's not like the Giants and the Ravens. Both have the same amount of cash with the same roster. And one team said, we're going to pay Daniel Jones. And the other team said, we're not going to pay Lamar Jackson. Right. Totally different scenarios. I don't think anybody would disagree that Lamar Jackson is a better quarterback than Daniel Jones. The health is a concern. I think the G and we'll talk about this in a second. So I want to let Cody rip off his take here on, uh, on the Giants and Jones. It's just one of those things, right, where, where people like to add context. And I've learned this through years of defending Eli Manning, where people love to add context where it benefits them and their argument, but then they'll take it away as soon as it's going to help you and your argument. So, like, it's just if you look at 40 million, again, you're seeing one number. But if you dive deeper, you have to see that this is a completely different contract than what you are reading into. And it's funny because it's kind of like an opposite way of this theory of like not paying for past performance because you're not paying for Daniel Jones past performance. But usually that's in like an Aaron Rodgers case where he's a four time MVP, but he's now in the twilight years of his career. And are you paying him for that or are you paying him for what's going forward? Same thing with Jones, though. You're paying him for what you think he is going to be moving forward. Joe Shane did not draft. Daniel Jones. He has no ties to him other than what he saw this year. There's no reason for him to feel like he had to re-sign him. It's not like a GM who makes a mistake and then makes another mistake trying to correct or, or justify the first mistake as opposed to just cutting ties. Joe Shane and the Giants had no reason to do that. They evaluated their options. That's why I feel like it took them to the deadline, which is definitely a good thing. If you're a Giants fan, you see your GM Your group is like, we're going to look everywhere, all of our options. All of those people, Pat, who are like Mark Shenluk, and he always gets the shade, it's so funny. (laughs) Um, And all those people, though, please give me your alternative. What was the better option? Were you going to go draft a quarterback and suck for three more years? Because I got to tell you, it sucked to suck. I liked being relevant 
playing games that mattered in December and January and winning even a playoff game because of how much shit we've eaten since 2016, which seemed like a fluke year because until then or before then it was till 2011 they haven't won. And people are talking, oh, let's go back into the draft. Why? You just saw a guy perform. You just saw a guy take a lackluster team, a less than talented roster, win a playoff game. What more do you need? What is your alternative? Please leave a comment under Pete's <laughs> video on YouTube, on Twitter, somewhere. What's what's your alternative? Yeah, and like, and on on top of that, like more than half the quarterbacks in the draft are failing too, right? So it's not even like you could make that argument with any sanity. Like, yeah, unless, let, even if you ooh. have a top five pick, it's not a hit. Yeah, like, let's go get yeah. Anthony Richardson because he had a good combine. Oh yeah, that always works out. <laughs> Zach Wilson, like, shut yeah. up. Like learn one time, just learn one time. It, it really is. It is crazy, man. It, it's nuts. And that's why, that's why I've now flopped onto the side of this. Another part to segue into Lamar Jackson. Wait, like, Pete, Lamar- one, one second. I'm just, I'm glad that I didn't hit on that. Like what's your, other, what was your other option? Because I knew Cody was going to go there and that was, that was so well delivered, man. That was, that was the only way that a true diehard Giants fan could deliver that. Yeah. I just got fired up. I'm not going to sleep anytime soon. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Fire up the coffee pot. We're staying up. We're doing this for another hour. <laughs> no, but no, that, that was great. And and again, to the point of of Cody and the Lamar Jackson point too. Lamar Jackson is laughing at that offer that Daniel Jones accepted. Laughing at it. It's not even close to the same thing. Like Lamar's asking for more money per year, double the guaranteed money, and like the franchise clearly isn't feeling that vibe right now, right? Like, so the the contract disparity, let alone the player disparity, is also huge. It's also not even close. Like, Lamar is saying, oh, you offered me four, 160, 82 million guaranteed. Like, no. He's saying no right away. He's not even coming close to that offer. So this disparity between Lamar and Daniel Jones from a player standpoint and a contract standpoint was not even the same conversation. And that'll end. Oh, you go ahead. No, I was just, Lamar turned down a contract that had $133 million fully, right. not fully, $133 million guaranteed. Daniel Jones got $50 million less guaranteed. Yes. So I don't understand the, the comparisons. Lamar Jackson wants $200 million fully guaranteed. Does it's he have a right guaranteed. to ask for that? Sure. I think so. I think so. Yeah, yes and no. Um, probably right. somewhere close to that. Probably not all fully guaranteed, but. The Ravens don't want to give him that, Pete. And I'll, you know, I'll let you continue where you were going. Yeah, so we'll go into Lamar Jackson here, and we'll and we'll talk about that situation because it's another mixed bag. Because in relative in relativity to the Giants, I think it's important to think about where two franchises with a history of winning in the past twenty years, right? Both teams have two Super Bowl wins in the in this in this century, right? Very respected franchises for the most part. The Ravens in the last ten more respected than the Giants. However, in this offseason in particular, they both had choices, right? Like, which door are you taking? They both probably had, you know, three doors to choose from. The Ravens went a route that I thought the Giants should have gone, frankly, right? Like, full transparency, that's what I thought the Giants should have done, even though I knew they would not do it. And you can really make the argument that the Ravens did a franchise-wise thing with this uh, non-exclusive tag They can get two first-round picks out of it. They can match the contract. They can let the market tell Lamar Jackson, the agent list Lamar Jackson, as many people bring up all the time, 
what he really is worth or not, right? Is he worth two first round picks and this big contract? I don't know. This might work out for the Ravens. You can make the argument this was smart for them to go this route and pull off this type of move. On the Lamar Jackson side of it, he could still look at this franchise and say, oh, you guys are so smart. I've had nobody to throw the ball to my entire career. Even in my MVP year where I led the league in passing touchdowns, passing touchdowns, right? The runner, Lamar Jackson, led the league in passing touchdowns. He did not have a 1,000-yard receiver. Mark Andrews led the team with 800. Uh, Marquise Hollywood Brown was his second best wide receiver, which is so pathetic, with like 500 yards, okay? So Lamar has every right to say, oh, you guys want to crack down and be so smart and so franchise uh, tag savvy and contract savvy, what, to help me out and give me more talent? I haven't seen it. Where's it coming from, right? So Lamar's argument is just as strong as the Ravens' argument to say, we're not giving you all this money because we're not screwing ourselves over for the next five years. And that leaves me mind-boggled a little bit, guys. I got to be honest because those two arguments that I just made are completely against one another. And they're two arguments that I firmly believe in. So I don't know how to feel. Lamar Jackson deserves to be paid. I think he's a fantastic quarterback and he is the closest thing to the top tier, the tippy top tier without being in it, in the league. Him, Jalen Hurts, and maybe Herbert, depending on how you feel about him right now, are the closest thing to the tippy top tier than than, uh, Mahomes' Allen Burrow. But the Ravens might be making a smart move here too. So I don't know what the hell to feel about this. Lamar Jackson deserves it. The Ravens might be smart. And I'm confused, fellas. I'm confused. It almost makes you think that there's no way that Lamar Jackson is going to be a Baltimore Raven come September. But then you have this extra layer on top of it, Pete. I thought I I found it very, and we were texting about this in our group. I found it very, very coincidental and just all too funny that immediately after you see the Baltimore Ravens, Eric, DaCosta, the GM, releases a statement that they're going to franchise tag him because, and they're still going to try in good faith to work out a deal for Lamar Jackson and for the best uh, that's in the best interest of the Ravens as well. Immediately after, you get notification, oh, the Atlanta Falcons are reportedly not pursuing Lamar Jackson. Oh, the Miami Dolphins are reportedly not pursuing Lamar Jackson. So-and-so is not going to pursue Lamar Jackson. Why? Why not? Why not talk with him and say, hey, Lamar, I know you wanted fully guaranteed money from, from the Ravens. I know that that marriage is, is basically shattered and broken. But, hey, we're not going to give you a $200 million fully guaranteed. But, you know, we're a team like the Atlanta Falcons, who's a loser franchise and hopefully probably never deserves to be in another Super Bowl because the one chance they had, they blew it. Um, at least talk to him. Open up a conversation. Open up a line of communication. If you're a, a you know another team like the San Francisco 49ers, who – I get it. You know, Shanahan's a phenomenal coach, doesn't need a top quarterback, but why? Why not just get you the quarterback that takes you over the top so you're not worrying about who the hell's my quarterback come week 18 if it's if it's the last guy picked in the draft, if it's the guy we, we traded up to, to draft, or it's Jimmy Garoppolo who was the closest to getting us to a Super Bowl and can never stay healthy. But no, nobody wants to talk to Lamar Jackson. I find it a little bit collusional, if I'm, if I'm being honest. It feels like the NFL owners – saw what happened with the Shaw Watson, saw the mistake, the egregious mistake that the Cleveland Browns and the Haslam's made in giving Deshaun Watson a $230 million fully guaranteed contract. And now what's going to happen? Other quarterbacks who are even more deserving and more worthy of that kind of contract than Deshaun Watson are going to say, well, uh, he got that. I, I want that. You guys set up that market. 
Brown set up that market. I'm a better quarterback than Deshaun Watson. I'm, I'm no trouble off the field. I'm an MVP. I deserve to have $230 million fully guaranteed. And then Justin Herbert is going to say, well, I deserve to have $230 million fully guaranteed. And just, and, and Joe Burrow is going to say that and so on and so forth. So you see the NFL owners, the last thing they want to do, of course, is spend their money. Um, and they don't want to give out $230 million fully guaranteed. I, you know, even though they have it, I don't blame them for not wanting to give it if they don't have to. But Lamar Jackson had the Baltimore Ravens told him no. And now you've got every, basically every other owner that in theory would have opened up a line of communication to talk to Lamar Jackson and say, yeah, here's a contract. Let's see if Baltimore, you know, matches it. We'll gladly give two first round picks away to have a guy that's an MVP caliber quarterback. Nobody did it. Nobody did it at all. So it has become abundantly clear to me above everything else that these, uh, the NFL owners will go to every length they can not to, not to continue that precedent that the Haslam's and the Cleveland Browns set. And that is giving out a fully guaranteed nine digit contract. Yeah. It's uh, it's trying to reset the market. And I just drank some tea right here on camera on YouTube, but Pat, you're the one reading between the tea leaves. Absolutely correct. The knock that out of the park, dude, because that whole situation there is, is exactly what you said. They're trying to reset the market. And I just said about Kirk cousins and Daniel Jones, two wrongs don't make a right. Every franchise in the league, basically, that's not talking to Lamar Jackson right now is also saying two wrongs don't make a right. The Deshaun Watson tra- uh, contract, it went off the rip. We thought it would be helping quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson get more money. Oh, he got that. Now all these new quarterbacks are going to get that. In fact, it's now hindering Lamar Jackson being the first one after Watson creating more hesitation. I do think now, and again, it's unfortunate for Lamar Jackson, by the time it gets to Burrow, and Herbert and whoever who are in better standings with their franchises at the moment, they're probably going to get that. And I don't know if that's an indictment on Lamar Jackson. It's an indictment on the unfortunate timing that Lamar Jackson just had and the agent thing that I don't know how much to read into it, but it's worth bringing up because of just having to look face to face with the player you're talking about rather than that buffer of being a little bit more honest with one another. That's funny, Pete. That's kind of exactly where I was getting ready to go. It's like, it, are we going to sit here and act like it's coincidence that Lamar's having a hard time signing a deal, yet he doesn't have any representation to help him sign that deal? Like, it, it's, it can't be. And, I, you know, it's – I'm not even going to bring up – because, Pat, I, I really liked what you said. I don't have any rebuttal or argument against it. I don't have any facts to go against you or to – I actually agree with a lot of what you said. But what I wonder is, if I'm the Ravens, who I – revere as a franchise i think they are one of the top franchises in the nfl ever since they've come into the league they're a smart group they're the opposite end of the spectrum of the loser falcons that you brought up very uh, appropriately named but if the ravens are saying maybe we can't give lamar this money because we need more around us because he's got to compete out in the afc it's not the nfc when you have a, a chance to at least get to the super bowl before you see one of these guys you go out in the AFC, you have to beat Mahomes. You have to beat Burrow. You have to beat Josh Allen. Justin Herbert's still coming up strong and some other guys. So maybe the Ravens are saying, if we give you this much money, we can't give you the weapons you need. And you've won one playoff game in your career without those weapons. But if we're going to give this all to you, then we can't do enough to bolster the lineup and the roster around you enough to compete with the Chiefs, a Bills, 
a Bengals, etc. Like that, I I don't know that that's it, but that's just where my mind has gone. I mean, they gave him dog shit when he was on a rookie deal. That's that's the rebuttal. It, does it matter? Does that rebuttal matter? Right? Like, because again, this is like my fourteenth time saying it tonight. Two wrongs don't make a right. They can't say that because they didn't get him any weapons in the past, they're not going to do it moving forward. But Lamar Jackson can't also take all that money and then expect weapons, right? So it's a classic catch-22 of I don't know who's right. And, and I want Lamar to get what he deserves. Maybe the Ravens are actually being proper here. I don't know if that means they're going to get them a receiver. They haven't done it in five years, but like maybe they're right. And, you know, you mentioned it, Cody. Lamar didn't help himself not getting an agent. It's just you can't when you're tossing around. narrative too, but it is true. It's true. When you're tossing around $150, $200 million, and you're trying to get it all guaranteed, you need an agent to do your work. And this is no knock on Lamar or his mom at all. I'm sure they are extremely well-educated and versed, but it's not. that's not your job. Your job is a, you're a quarterback, and I'm, I know you love your mom, and I know that you, you guys are fighting for what you think is fair and what you want, but that is the job of an agent. I mean, that is – I don't know how else to put it. Daniel Jones is not getting four years, $160 million with $82 million guaranteed if he is representing himself. He's not because the Giants are going to tell him, no, this is what we think you're worth. And when you have an, an agent that is – you know, skilled in negotiating and being able to work things out in your in your fashion and, and on your behalf, and that has the experience of working with other clients and knows the language and knows how to negotiate on your behalf. You know, again, we all said, that, who the hell is Daniel Jones asking for $46, 47000000 million? I mean, that, that's, it may sound simple. That's negotiating. Yeah, exactly. That, that, that's it at its core. They think Daniel Jones can get $40 million. Let's ask for 47. Let's ask for 46. And the Giants said, no, we're going to offer 36, 37. And you find your way towards the middle. Lamar, you know, that, that's part of the problem is Lamar Jackson's not helping himself out by, by representing himself, man. And that's not, again, I'm not putting the, the blame on him at all. It's just that's adding into this equation. Uh, it's got to be a part of it. Those guys and gals have a job for a reason, to be an agent, to negotiate. Like you said, I mean, we don't have to harp on it. It's got to be a part of it. It's it's hard to imagine it's not. Um, I just super quick want to go back to my point, though, because if the Ravens, I said all this stuff about if they don't give him the money, but if you let him walk, then what are you saying about your team now going forward? We're definitely not going to compete, right? So that's the other side of that. It's like if we don't give him the money, there's no way that Tyler Huntley's going to get us where we want to be. So it's it's a sticky situation for him. They're not a playoff team without Lamar Jackson next year. No, no chance. And with Lamar Jackson, they probably are. And that's just the fact of the matter. He's one and one and one as he's been on the field. The whole question about his health, different conversation, if you will. And maybe that's a big factor here too, right? Like two years in a row towards the end of the year, he wasn't at his best. And that's something that maybe the Ravens are using as leverage. It's definitely what other teams are going to use as leverage. And other teams are going to say, dude, we got to give up two first round picks for you too. And you still want 200 something million dollars guaranteed. Like it's not going to happen. And I don't know where it's going to go. And maybe his best bet now is to put on his, his best smile and his best behavior and go ball out with the Ravens this year and get closer to true free agency. And maybe that's what he's going to do. He's not going to make a small amount of money this year on the non, non-exclusive tag. What is it? 30 something million, right? 30, 32, 33, something like that. 32.4. So he's not making a small amount of money. If he goes out and balls out 
and stays healthy, there's a good chance he gets what he wanted this year, next year. It's difficult to assume that, but it is very, very possible based off of how well he's performed when he's on the field. So I, I don't know how much further we can get into the Lamar Jackson thing. I feel like that's it. That's at this point in time, that is the story because there's no other way to go about it. Now, if the Ravens go out and trade for I, I'm, T Higgins came to mind first, but obviously in division that might be unlikely, but for someone like T Higgins and give him a real weapon next to Mark Andrews, then we're going to start saying, damn, the Ravens did the right thing. And that's what I wanted to happen for the giants. because I thought that was very possible for, you know, the Giants to do this non-exclusive tag thing. And then all of a sudden they put some weapons around him. Maybe they pay him down the road. Maybe they don't, but you realize what you get as a luxury by not signing the astronomical deal. Ravens have that opportunity and all the smart people that you and I, the three of us here talk about uh, football all the time. Like the Warren Sharp for me is somebody who I like is something I feel smarter about it. Some of the, the smart people talking about the NFL, if the Ravens make the right moves here and fill out this roster, they're going to get all the credit they deserve, and it's going to be worthy. It's going to be worthy. And all the the loudmouths <clears throat> who have no real points and just yell at each other, they're going to be making fun of the Ravens right now and eating crow later and, and the inverse for the Giants. So that's what I was afraid of for the Giants, that they give up all this money, can't make their team better, and, and they're super mediocre. The Ravens possibly avoided that for now. For now is the key point because they can suck if they end up not having him on the team soon. Oh, I don't know. I think that's it though, right? That's it on Lamar Jackson. Um, Aaron Rodgers, I feel like we don't have to, what do we have to say? But we, we already went an hour on this podcast. Aaron Rodgers ain't done nothing. Cody's he's black. Coming out of the, he's coming into the light, right? He's back <laughs> in the light now. <laughs> Cody's out of the darkness right now with Aaron Rodgers. And I feel like there's just not much to say here. We're just waiting. We're just waiting. And maybe it's the Jets. Maybe it's Green Bay. Maybe it's someone else. This is all on him at this point, and we have to sit here and wait. I'm I'm pretty confident that Aaron Rodgers is either going to be playing for the Jets or he's going to retire. Are I don't you breaking any... that? No. Are you breaking this right now? No. Is this a boil bomb? No, it's not a boil bomb. This is my opinion. Okay. This is what I think is going to happen. <laughs> um, no, I just I, I, the fact that Green Bay has allowed him to talk to the Jets, I think they are totally ready to move on from him. Um, I think they have been ready to move on from him since the end of this season, where you get the sense that they have Mac. And I, I think Aaron Rodgers has a chance to bring the Jets to the AFC Championship game this year. But everything that they had going in Green Bay, Lafleur calling the plays for him, the way that we were as a collective group, you know, scratching our heads saying, give Aaron Jones the ball. Like, what are you doing? The play calling, it didn't work out. And it, it has gotten to the point where Rodgers feels very, very, it's another broken marriage. You know, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens is one. They drafted, um, you know, Rodgers' replacement two, three years ago. He wins back-to-back MVPs. And for whatever reason, there is still that, that they're just, they're so ready to feel like it, it feels like to move on from him. Um, and Rodgers, as weird, you know, he's he's such a weird guy. So you never really quite know what he's thinking. And he says he wanted to be in, back in Green Bay. And he's noncommittal so far, still here on March 7th. And he's holding everybody else's plans up. Um, I think he would be just as ready to move on. And uh, if, if the Jets didn't go out and meet him yesterday, Woody Johnson and Joe Douglas and Robert Sala, and, the, and you know, Rodgers kind of realized, oh, shit, it's either the Packers or retire. I think he'd probably retire. 
and then maybe see what happens down the road. Maybe try to make a comeback in the in the middle of the year if if it called for it at next year. Um, I don't think he's done playing football, and I think this is the Jets' opportunity to grab this by the scruff of the neck. And yeah, you're going to end up probably paying Aaron Rodgers. We'll see how the contract works out. If they trade for him, how much the Packers would would be hit with dead cap, how much the Jets would pick up of that contract. But they're going to be paying him more than fifty million dollars a year. But it's Aaron Rodgers. I still think he has plenty of juice. I still think he is one of the top eight quarterbacks in football. Um, and I think this is the Jets' opportunity to seize this and, and bring themselves into the fray in the AFC and put them right underneath, if not on level footing, with the Chiefs, with the Bills, with the Bengals. I think Aaron Rodgers does that. And I think the Jets need to go ahead and, and I would say, basically right clo- go close to doing whatever it takes to securing Aaron Rodgers. And I think and I hope that that happens by uh, this time next week. Pat, um, Mike White for Aaron Rodgers, straight up. Who says no? <laughs> See, that's the thing that gets lost in all this, Cody. You know, I'm the big Mike White guy. I'm, that's I'm, right. I'm Mike White's number one fan. So even more so, you get a year or two to learn under Aaron Rodgers. And then once he does retire, Mike White's ready to be a pro bowler right away. No, I, I, in all seriousness, I, it felt like the a year ago the Jets were a quarterback away, the quarterback away. They really built that roster really well. We've talked about it during the season. Um, and, I, I mean, I'm not a Jets hater by any stretch of the imagination. I'd really like for Rodgers to go to the Jets to kind of tr- see if he can get rejuvenated over there to bring them to the playoffs, to, you know, have a two-headed, potentially three-headed race, I think, in that division, which is funny enough, I'm leaving the Patriots out of that, which is crazy to say um, after all the years that we've seen with them. But, I mean, that roster was really good. You had good receivers, Garrett Wilson, um, the running back uh, – the running back who's coming back, I'm blanking on his name. Line, anybody? Free Saul. thank you. I drafted him in fantasy. Once I traded him out, uh, he, he was dead to me. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but, no, I mean, they, he'll come back midseason. They had a sick defense last year. They seem like their coaching staff is right and ready. You were a quarterback away. You get a veteran like Aaron Rodgers, man. I would be all for it. I'd sign up for it. I don't know if it will happen, but I definitely hope that it does. Um, go gangrene. Let's get some more buzz here in New York, man. And, and something that I got to bring up, because I found it so funny, dude, over the past couple of weeks. And Pat, I'm sure you could attest to some of this stuff being at the stations that you're at. Well, I mean, I don't know how hard it is in on CBS side, but on the fan side, all these Jets fans calling in to WFAN, oh, Aaron Rodgers can't handle New York media. And I finally realized that New Yorkers can't handle Aaron Rodgers. That's the truth here, right? Like Aaron Rodgers is going to be fine in New York, man. He don't care. He's going to sometimes maybe not talk to the Jets media and he's going to be okay with it. Who's not going to be okay with it is the stupid fans out here calling the station all, all pissed off about who knows what Aaron Rodgers is going to be fine. If he comes to New York, man, it's going to be the fans who can't handle it. It's going to be the media who can't handle it. But the fact of the matter is, if Aaron Rodgers is in New York and Yankee fans, close your ears, close your eyes, Aaron Rodgers is the biggest star in New York right away. Right away, Aaron Rodgers is the biggest star in New York. Aaron Judge, go sit down in the bleaches creatures, bro. I don't care what anyone says. If he is in New York, he's everything. Right away, bro. That's a Hall of Fame level, legendary quarterback, on the Jets with some juice one year away from an MVP season, right? Like, 
he's going to be fine. Hopefully the fans can handle it when he says something weird, right? When he goes on McAfee and talks about his darkness retreat, right? But the most important thing that Aaron Rodgers said on McAfee that it, to me, he said this exactly. There's no reason come, coming back to play football if you don't think you can win at all. That's something he said at the end of the season. No reason coming back if you don't think you could win it all. So he's coming to the Jets thinking he can win it. So New York fans, get over yourself. New York media, get over yourself. You're going to love having him here. Your clicks are through the roof. Your viewers are through the roof with Aaron Rodgers, the biggest star in New York. The biggest Aaron in New York. That too. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I hope the Jets go for this. I hope they go forward and, and uh, Joe Douglas pulls the trigger. If it takes two firsts, then then so be it, man. You're gonna get two years. I don't. I doubt a third. You're gonna get two years of Aaron Rodgers here to maximize this window, and with the weapons that the Jets have, plus they still got some pretty good draft picks coming up here this upcoming year, plus whatever else they can do in free agency. Obviously, it's not gonna be a ton if you're paying. You know, they I think they're gonna get creative with his contract, but there's there's gonna be a lot of money that's that's going to hit that cap somewhere uh, over the span of two years. So they're not going to have a ton of uh, moves that they can do in free agency if they were to trade for Rodgers. But I mean, again, you got draft picks set up and you've got a pretty goddamn good roster as it is right now with Brees Hall coming back with the offensive rookie of the year, with the defensive rookie of the year, with an offensive line that can still be improved. If Makai Becton can stay healthy for once and the run blocking mauler, Elijah Vera Tucker coming back, Telling you, man, Aaron Rodgers under center with the rest of this Jets roster remaining the same, they win 12 games easily, if not 13 or 14. And yes, I know they're in the AFC East. There it is. Yeah. Facts. Uh, no, no rise out of the uh, the Aaron Rodgers being the big biggest star in New York. Is that no, not a high? I agree with that, man. I mean, he is a national celebrity. Aaron Judge, uh, you know, I think that goes a part and parcel with baseball not being able to market its stars as well as football and just how huge the NFL is general. So, um, yeah, I know. I, I would agree. He'd be the biggest star in New York. Yeah. yeah. So Rogers not a hot and team. then, uh, no, Rogers, then Cody Senga. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's, I think that's, that's, that's where we end the podcast. <laughs> And then Brunson, obviously, too. Brunson over Judd. Uh, that's great, though. Now, I thought, I thought, well, you guys aren't like super hard. No, Cody fan, Pat, you're not a Yankees fan. So maybe it's, uh, I want to say that to a Yankees fan and see how they feel about it. I got, I got to get some real juice out of that one because I think some Yankee fans are not going to like that at all. Uh, but that's all we got, man. What an episode. Nice 38 minute crisp episode. <laughs> <laughs> like always, right on time. Doing what we do, just doubled up 30 minutes, 38 minutes for that matter. Uh, but yeah, great stuff. As always, I appreciate you gentlemen so much for hanging out with me late on any night. Tuesday nights seem to be the most popular. Uh, and I appreciate you guys lending your insights, lending your time, and doing what you do best. So appreciate y'all. That's all we got. We talked about the Knicks. We talked about Daniel Jones, Lamar Jackson, A.A. Ron, Aaron Rodgers. And we'll see what happens now moving forward with Rodgers. And we'll see what happens with this next stretch because, gentlemen, I'm feeling a little bit nervous about this West Coast trip right now. we got some tough games coming up, but I'm excited to watch them all. But that's all we got. Subway Sports Talk. My name is Pete Kennedy. For Pat Boyle at PatBo44 and Cody O'Connor at O'Connor underscore 06. Did I get that right? Ooh, nailed it. That's a professional. Here we go. Pete Kennedy, two Ys. Subway Sports Talk, Instagram, Twitter. 
TikTok, YouTube, notification bell, subscribe. You know what to do. Drop the stars, drop the review. We appreciate you. That's all we got. Cheers.